Welcome back to Bots and Thoughts, the hyper automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. I'm your host, Jimmy Hewitt, aka Mr. Automation. During this show, my coworker Jeff and I sat down with and interviewed Stu Farber, the vice president of IT for Clemens Food Group. Stu has about five years of hyper automation experience. And in today's world, this qualifies him as an early adopter, meaning he has huge successes to report, which he does, as well as a lot of lessons learned along the way, which he also shared for you guys. We loved recording this interview and hope you get a lot out of it. Okay, Stu, thank you so much for joining us today. To those who don't know you, haven't met you, would love if you maybe give a bit of background. Tell us where you live, where you work, and what do you do? Yeah, sure. I'm a vice president of IT for Clemens Food Group. Clemens Food Group is a sixth-generation pork producer, the fifth-largest pork producer in the United States. I lead the IT team, the hardware, software, infrastructure sides, both. Wow. That's quite a lot of responsibility. Um, and to those who may be more familiar with Hatfield, your premier brand, Tell us a bit about Clemens. You're the sixth largest pork producer. Tell us a bit more about, about that. Yep. So we have uh, three primary plants, two in Hatfield, PA, and one in uh, Coldwater, Michigan. We have 4,500 4, team members. Um, it's been a family-owned business since 1895. It's still family-owned today. Wow. And one of those plants is a new plant, I understand. It is. We just opened up a smoked meats plant, uh, 300,000 square feet on the same uh, campus as our original plant in Hatfield. Congratulations. That is very exciting. It is. It's a, it's a big challenge in opening new plants, and uh, my team has uh, done a great job. And all teams, of course, but, you know, we're focused on IT. Mostly, mostly your team. Or an IT. <laughs> I think awesome. a lot about IT here. So for our audience, we are joined by someone else as well, Jeff Ham, my colleague, I uh, would love if you gave a bit of introduction for yourself and what your relationship is with Stu and uh, the Clemens Food Group. Sure. Yeah, Jimmy, thanks for having me. So as Jimmy mentioned, I'm Jeff Ham. I work for Salient uh, as well. I'm an automation analyst, so I help customers kind of figure out how to start positioning some of these automation technologies to uh, you know see some benefit and solve some problems. And that's exactly what we've done here with, uh, with Stu over the last, I don't know, how long has it been? Two or three years we've been working together is it yep time flies huh sure does you're still not sick of me <laughs> still not sick of me. Yeah. Uh, that's a good segue into kind of how clemens food group and salient got introduced with each other the context leading up to your first rpa bots do would love if you could tell us about what did uh, precipitate that first entree into hyper automation and rpa yeah, so this started uh, at Clemens years ago. Um, you know, we knew about RPA and we thought it was the right direction for us. But as we went through that process, our concept was to build a RPA center of excellence with a full team um, looking to really do a large scope, uh, dedicated resources. And it really kept falling short when we looked at ROI of that. You know, we kept we tried a few times and we kept failing. And then uh, COVID hit. And, uh, you know, there was a couple things we had to do. So instead of the big bang kind of concept, there was two really good RPAs that had a great ROI. It really made sense to do. So I basically got it down to two RPA companies I wanted to use. 
And uh, we looked at the best way to do each one of those and salient uh, hit the mark for us and we chose them. Thank you for that. It sounds like there were two use cases that kind of got this all started. Which one of those use cases was uh, is coming to mind and tell us a bit about it. Yeah, so the first use case we did was when we uh, went to SAP, there was a gap in the SAP capabilities where um, when we produce a good, the reversal of that production, let's say we double printed uh, labels and therefore we had two pallets of inventory when in fact there was only one. That reduction used to be an automated process, but when we went to SAP, we couldn't do that automated through our user interface. So we worked with Cellian to create a reversal of that goods issue. And uh, that process has saved the team hundreds of hours over the years and uh, really been a good improvement, right? So now team member to floor can reverse that goods issue. Before, it used to take people in finance and several people to be able to do that. Wow, that sounds great and a great ROI. Jeff, uh, what was your experience with helping Stu usher that first bot into Clemens? Yeah, so as I recall, I mean, there were... I think six or so kind of steward flagged like six or so processes or, or tasks that could be automated, that reversal being one. So we actually used IBM Blueworks Live and went through it, actually mapped out these processes, understood the steps. And I, I believe it was the reversal. And there was one other one. I think we kind of started almost in parallel, Stu. Yeah. Um, do you remember which one that was? We've done so many now that it's all kind of. It's actually giving credit. Accruals. Accruals, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, anyway, we, we mapped those in Blueworks Live and um, yeah, I mean, we just kind of got started on, on those two initially. I think the thing with SAP is that, you know, I'm not knocking it. It's a great piece of software. It's a beast and it's hard to navigate. And, um, you know, especially with uh, less experienced resources that don't have a, a big background in SAP, it can be overwhelming. So uh, I think that makes it a great candidate for RPA, especially when it's something so repeatable. It's a lot of clicks, a lot of clicks that are easy to miss. Um, so that was, a, I think, a really good first project for us. One thing that comes up a lot in our client conversations is the two ends of the spectrum there. Getting started, whole hog, center of excellence, stand everything up, and then start to accrue these quick wins. On the other side of the spectrum, there is let's start with a quick win and then let the governance and COE develop itself over time. Why do you think the first approach coe first stalled and what was different about the quick win first approach that clearly has gotten some traction that we're going to get into here i think it's a couple things uh you know when you're looking for a return on investment on a big project like that you're talking about a huge investment and so to say i have all the knowledge of everything i'm going to get to at the end to get that the return on investment early on when you know you're going to be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars just even a team of people to support this, where by going the quick win, you can actually get that ROI from each individual event. And it's a lot simpler to prove that out. That makes a lot of sense. It also kind of speaks to the changing software development methods, right? The big bang COE first approach smells like a waterfall approach versus the let's start with a quick win learn what we don't know as we're doing that, use the quick win ROI plus those learnings into our second bot. Sounds like more of an agile approach. I think that's part of it. I also think part of it is the knowledge of what RPA, the proof that RPA can really add value, right? So you, you read the internet and you hear about a lot of these guys, hey, we did this giant project. We didn't get all the goals we wanted to. Well, that's in people's heads. So by being able to do a couple small ones and proving it out, showing that return on investment, 
really gets that, as you say, the train rolling to be able to do more. For sure. Yeah, you do hear a lot about the percentages of failed hyper automation projects. The analysts are saying that that's not a small number, something like between half or somewhere in that you know range right. you read about. I think that speaks to the first and second generation RPA projects and programs where they did attempt a large COE first. And as your you know, proof is in the pudding, by starting small with quick wins, the percentage of successful hyper automation and RPA projects goes way up. Absolutely. Speaking of hyper automation, our listeners have heard of what is hyper automation, which includes several distinct capabilities, RPA being one of them. We don't recommend starting with a hyper automation solution, right? A multi-component combined RPA with workflow or capture with decisions. But in chatting with Jeff, it seems like you guys have integrated more than one hyper automation capability together. That being task or RPA with workflow or business process management. Tell us about how that happened. The uh, project that Jeff talked about was the accrual project. And that accrual project, although a computer can make most of the decisions because it's usually very black and white, there's one piece that sometimes requires human, human intervention. And so if there's two accruals that you could do for one single credit, somebody in the end has to make that decision. So we use the workflow to send that out to the sales team and the sales team make, can make that final decision. Again, we only do that when it's needed, but when we do, that has that ability. And that's why we chose to do that part. That's great. Yeah. Human in the loop, RPA, robotic process automation can't do everything, make every decision. Sometimes humans need to be consulted. It's a great use case for adding workflow to RPA. Uh, Jeff, anything to add to that accrual use case, adding workflow to RPA or hyper automation in general? No, I think that, you know, like you've covered it, but to just say it maybe a different way is RPA is excellent at automating a task. Right. But, you know, especially when you have some of these longer form things or like you said, human in loop, um, being able to defer to a workflow system just to keep track of that that existing task, that need for a human to get involved and take some sort of action without, you know, impeding on your RPA capacity. It just seems like a home run. You know, the attended unattended thing is is great. You know, every RPA vendor does that to some extent, but when you really pair it with workflow, that's when you see some much more productive attended use cases come to life, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as RPA gets adopted, it is received more positively as these quick wins start to stack up. Workflow, same thing happens. More and more use cases come to mind. The idea being remove cost or add revenue, better compliance starts to really take hold and ideally, theoretically, permeate the organization. How is hyper-automation, RPA, et cetera, being received either in the IT department, Stu, business, or both? You know, that's another one of the challenges when you talk about RPA and people think it's something different. I think when it really started to take off and really uh, allow the business to you know, really get a hold of it, is when we just talk about process improvement. So a business doesn't say I need an RPA. They say I need process improvement. And what technique in IT we use, right? That's really a decision based on, you know, how hard it will be, how complex it is, how many different machines or those kind of things are involved. And that's the technique we use to solve the problem. You know, we have different techniques for RPA. We do some other things where we basically load data in a database and load it in SAP. 
using a certain format. Um, and if we do that, you know, it is a mini RPA, but there's a lot of those that solve the problem without even having to go to the level of doing a full RPA and having the speed of RPA compared to data loading. Hmm. Interesting. I like how when you reframe the solution as process improvement, as opposed to the name of a technology that, you know, some business leaders have most haven't heard about it, right. it, it gets received better. Yeah. It's basically when they think about, you know, solving a problem on their own side, right. It's about process improvement. They don't think about robots in business. You know, it, it's unimportant to them. They just want it better and they want it, you know, faster and easier for them to use. Wow. It's like if you call a handyman, they bring their toolbox. You don't call them and say, I need you to bring three screws and a, you know, that's just not how they're wired. Right? That's right. That's our problem to solve. That's right. So when you talk about a business person, business leader saying that they need something better, faster, smarter, Stu, team, come in and help. That sounds like a bit of an intake process. How do you find your next bot to build or your next process to improve? What does that process improvement process look like? Yeah, so we follow the uh, business-driven IT process. And so we meet with our businesses once or twice a week, depending on how much is going on. And we, we talk about the issues they're having. We talk about the projects that's going on. And in that meeting, we talk about, you know, how to solve those kind of problems. And we get them on the list. And that's really how we take it. And then once we have that project on our list, we make a decision on its priority based on the ROI, the reduction in uh, team member headcount hours that it takes to do the, the task. And we then prioritize based on that. And when it hits the top of the priority list, we get going on it. Consistent meetings with the business, capturing use cases, quantifying the benefit of solving one in comparison to the other and developing them accordingly. Yep. And then recording those things, right? So we record the ROI, record the, uh, the hours saved, and then we share that with the business. Um, and it gives it, that has a couple benefits. Number one, the people see the value of IT, but it also helps us with prioritizing. Yeah, Stu, can you share those numbers? I think they're pretty impressive, as I recall. I mean, what are they? Yeah, what, brag a little how bit. Many, how much time has been saved since yep. in your uh, tenure? So we started uh, recording um, January 2018, and we uh, we are now saved uh, $16 million a year. And then in the hours saved, we started uh, doing that at the end of last year, and already we're at 450 hours a year on hours saved. Um, we don't always capture the hours saved in the dollars, because if it's an exempt employee, you know, we don't save money for that, right? But if we, yeah. um, we do capture that in the hours. Yeah, that's a pretty impressive number. 16 million annually. Those are big yeah. numbers. We like that. We love when our, uh, our clients are achieving their objectives. Speaking of which, what are your main objectives? Does one float to the top of the list above another? What all are you looking at and what comes to the top for your team? Yeah, so compliance or something that's that's broken, that's priority. We do those first. And number two, it would be, you know, we really allow the business analysts in that area to really work with the business and understand which project's more important. Uh, we have multiple business analysts. They work with different groups. And whether it's an hour saved an ROI project, it's really up to them and knowing the business, what they need, right? But if they have high hours or they have ROI, both of them are great projects to put on the list, right? So you know, the, deciding which one comes first, it's really focused on, you know, what the business needs. And that could include large company initiatives, right? If it's a large company initiative, that's higher on the party list, obviously. Mm -hmm. 
different companies we work with are placing hyper automation in different departments, some on the IT side, some in the operations department, some are seeing a ember of a COE coming out of finance for a lot of report automation. Where would you say RPA and hyper automation sits inside Clemens Food Group today? Being a following the process of business driven IT, the ownership always stays with the business. The execution hmm. side would be on the IT side, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't trained our team members, right? If we did a larger project, one of the ideas would be that the team members would kick off their own RPA and then use IT to finish that off. We didn't do that. At this point, we work with the business. They define their needs. Um, we help them execute those needs. We work with Salient uh, to help execute that also. But that's how we really do it. It's owned by the business, partnering with IT to execute it. Yeah, I like that. Owned by the business and IT, your vendors, salient process included, being the execution arm of that of that strategy. That's right. I have a, a few rapid fire questions here, uh, but Jeff, anything you want to add or ask about before we jump into those? Man, if we could real quick, I'd love to talk about that password reset bot, just because I think, you know, when we oh, talk yeah. about some of these accruals and reversals, you know, some of these things require a deep accounting background to understand, but password reset is very accessible and it was uh, a pretty, uh, I think it saved quite a bit of time. Isn't that right, Stu? It does. Maybe maybe you could just t- give us a quick overview of what that was, what you used to do in that process, what RPA does now, and then you know the results of that would be awesome. Yep. So we have a large uh, Spanish-speaking contingent in our team members, and the uh, our HR package required them to to change their password to answer three questions. Well, they were able to, to have bilingual or multilingual in all their application except for those three questions. So when the teamer went to answer those three questions, they couldn't read them to let alone answer them. So they would always go to our HR team to basically reset their password. We were doing about a thousand uh, quarter uh, password resets because you have to change your password so many months, right? And so um, we developed an iPad application that allowed the team members to scan their badge um, it's in a secure location, so uh, they scan their badge and basically the uh, password auto resets with the help of a bot. And therefore, there's no questions to answer. The instructions on our application we created are multi-languages, so it really simplified the process. Um, and we're averaging about 40 minutes a day saved. That's pretty awesome for, uh, you know, what was that, like a one-week project? Yeah, it was a pretty quick hit and uh, had a big yeah. win for us. Now we actually have three more HR uh, very similar self-service type applications in the works. Uh, one of them is for printing their pay stubs. Um, you know, those kind of things that happen all the time that they need help with. Um, we want to simplify and make as much self-service as possible to reduce time of HR, but also make the satisfaction of team members really easier for them. Makes my heart sing. That's employee experience. That's time savings, right. cost reduction for multiple business divisions. That's what it's all about. Could you talk for a moment about a one-week project? I, we have a couple of clients with a couple of similar stories, and you're another one. And I, I tell others about these one-week projects or two-week projects, three-week payback. I, IBM has a few one-day ROIs. And coming from you know a lifetime of software solution implementation experience, many, many folks that we're talking with have that. They just can't believe it. So what is the reality of a one-week one project? I think uh, the scope is simple. 
Mm -hmm. um, and it's a it's very well defined. Um, in fact, when we hand these off, I create a video of what the team member does and uh, the RPA duplicates what they do. It's only a few steps and it's actually uh, fairly easy for an experienced RPA developer to do what we're asking them to do. And that week is including testing. It's including all the error handling that we need for that bot. And, uh, you know, and uh, we've been able to do that several times. It's not just once, right? We've done at least four now that are a week long. That's incredible. Yeah, talk about time to value, um, agile project approach, achieving results in a week. Love to hear it. I'm sure those out there listening awesome. to as well. Couple rapid fire questions for you, Stu. What's the okay. best cheesesteak in Philly? Uh, there's a lot of great cheesesteaks in Philadelphia. Oh, he won't answer it. He won't answer it. <laughs> they might be. He's afraid. They, he's afraid. Keep it close <laughs> to the chest. They might be a customer of ours. Everybody's or great. ours. <laughs> Yeah, well, I know one in particular. Uh, okay, and uh, now back on topic. What is your outlook on hyper automation over the next rest of the year, six months, 12 months, 18 months? If you had a crystal ball, what does what does it look like? Yeah, I think what's, you know, what's great about the way we think and work and, and how uh, Salient fits into us is, you know, we do large projects, medium projects are planned out for the year. But when we see a problem in the business, we jump on those and get them done quickly. As Jeff knows, uh, when's it done? When's it ready? When do I get my things? Because, you know, these are quick hitters because they're adding value back to the business. We're jumping on them. I'd say from a uh, thinking through the year, I don't have expectations of a lot of them to be done, but I know we will. And that's really mm -hmm. because we want to answer the needs of the business. Mm -hmm. That's great. Stay responsive. You're responsive, you're prepared, you're ready to solve them, you have the track record of doing so. We have a toolbox of, uh, of things we can use when those issues come up from the business. We have, hey, this is an A or a B, let's move on, let's get it done. That sounds like a pretty ideal end game of hyper automation, right? There's never going to be zero work to do, but the end game being we have the toolbox, we have the awareness, and we have the ability and the partners to execute based right. on whatever process needs to be improved in front of us. Exactly. What guidance might you have for either an IT leader like yourself or a business leader that you work with who might be out there considering adopting RPA or hyper automation? I think, you know, depending on everybody's situation, the big bang theory might work for some, for us, it didn't work. And so what worked for us was the ability to, to find quick wins, um, to look for things to solve business problems and execute to those wins. And then of course, prove that out and continually grow that. That's great. Start small, add value, roll that value into phase two, phase three, phase four, et cetera. Any lessons learned come to mind as you think back to maybe your first couple bots, your first couple RPA solutions? What were those key takeaways? You know, we did start with some of the harder ones we've ever done. And I think uh, making sure that, you know, um, having knowledge of the team on the team, right, of all the software we're using. Uh, we had some people on the team that weren't as aware of SAP as they should have been. And so knowing, making sure that the, all the team has the knowledge of the tool set you're using, and I think, uh, you know, and best practices from that other side to make sure that we can execute those better. I like that. Thank you. What is the next bot you're approaching or thinking about doing? Yep. So we're, I talked about the uh, paste of bot. 
Um, you know, the team members sometimes need printed pay stubs if they're going for a mortgage and stuff. And so we're working on that bot. Mm-hmm. And also the ability to reprint W-2s is another bot we're working on. Again, printer in secure locations, scan your badge, pick what you want to print. And it's really simple for them to do. Um, that's the two that we're, we're doing right now. That's great. Thank you so much, Stu. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. Be sure to never miss an episode by hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. Get your hands on more content like this by following us on LinkedIn and YouTube down in the show notes and say hello. We'd love to hear your thoughts, perhaps even on an upcoming episode. Stay tuned for more episodes of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper automation podcast brought to you by Salient Process.